0: wonderful to pastor a wonderful church. I mean, when you get a, when you get an opening like that every week, you know, you're just grateful for what God is doing. Well, listen, I'm expecting God to do something with this message in your life today. So let's go ahead. Let's take our Bibles. Let's say our scripture. Then we'll pray and we'll get into the message or say our confession and then we'll get into the message today. Let's hold up our Bibles and the words are up on the screen. Is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. It is the indestructible, incorruptible, everlasting, living Word of God. I receive it now by faith, and I believe that my life will forever be changed. Let's pray. Father, as we release those words from our mouth, we believe today that they are true. We believe that your word is incorruptible, it's indestructible. Lord, it will uphold us in any time in life. And today I thank you that as I continue this series on forward and helping us to move forward into what you have for us this year, Lord, that your word will be life to us and will minister to each person exactly where they are and help them move forward in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're in this series forward, and our goal in this series is to minister the Word of God, to teach you some things that will help you advance, make progress, and move forward in 2021. And today, I want to continue that series, but I want to minister to you a message on the power of friendships. Man, I can't think of too many things in life that are really more valuable than good, godly, friends. And God sends people into our lives, friends, that will help us move forward and reach the goal that he has for us in our life. But as we begin this message, just simply entitled The Power of Friendships, I want to take you back to Paul's passage found in the book of Philippians where he teaches us some vital truths that we need to understand and then apply so we can move forward. Let's read Paul's words, Philippians chapter 3, starting with verse 12. He says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Christ Jesus is calling us. Now, Paul here tells us and teaches us some vital truths about moving forward, but we've defined the word forward this way. Forward simply means onward so as to make progress to advance. Listen, (laughs) we've all been stuck in life. I tell you, there's been times I've just been stuck. I I couldn't get over something, couldn't get beyond something, or I felt like I was running around that saying with a chicken with my head cut off. I was doing a lot of things, but not receiving a lot of fruit from what I was doing. And what God wants for us is he wants us to make progress. He wants us to Onward. He wants us to move on. Listen, for some of you, 2021, the word is move on. Thank God 2020 is over. You know, and that we can move on. But how many of you know just the changing of the calendar does not ensure that you're going to go forward? You've got to trust God in some things and you've got to apply his principles. And some of the principles that we've learned here is the first thing we need to be trusting that God has something in our future. Paul says he's looking forward to what lies ahead. He believes in his future. He believes that God has some things out there for him that God has prepared, especially for him, his family, his marriage, this church. Come on, there's some things out there and we're going to go after it, but it's forward. It's not behind of us. It's not behind us. They're in front of us. And then Paul also teaches us that if we're going to move forward, we got to press towards something. And so he lays out the goal that we're supposed to be pressing toward. Now, let me put this way. This is the big goal. Everybody say big goal. This is the big goal in your life. Or should I put it this way? This should be the biggest goal in your life. You have other goals. You should have other goals, things that you're pressing toward. But this is the big goal. And so the big goal, really, Paul says, is perfection. The goal is perfection. But over the last couple of weeks in this series, we've studied that word perfection. And we realize that it's a biblical term that really speaks of maturing. It speaks of us making progress. And really, when we talk about perfection, perfection is about maturing in Christ. That's the goal Paul is talking about. If we were to get real practical, you know what he's saying? Y'all grow up. (laughs) Come come on. Grow up. Grow up. And we're talking about maturing in Christ. That goal, there's really two things that are involved in that goal, in maturing in Christ. Number one is becoming more like Christ. That's maturity. And then experiencing all he's purchased for us. Listen, my prayer today is that, and my prayer throughout this year for all of you, would be that you would experience more of what Christ has purchased for you this year than you have in any other year. And the prayer your spouse is praying is that you would become more like Christ. <laughs> the prayer your kids are praying is that you become more like Christ. Come on. Your boss, we could go down the list. If you're the boss, you're praying the people that work for you become more like Christ. Come on. We all need to become more like Christ. We all want to experience more of what he's purchased for us. You see, you want to experience more of what he's purchased for you because your life is a book. And what people know about God, people don't know God. What they know about God is what you show them about God and what your life. And if your life is a wreck, why would they want to have a wreck? Now, listen, I'm not saying that we don't have wrecks in life. But even in the midst of suffering, a wreck. Maybe you didn't even cause it. Maybe you did cause it. But when you're trusting God, it's amazing how much peace and the wonderful things God can do, even when life kind of wrecks things. And people can watch that and they still see you're receiving all Christ purchased for you. It's not that our lives are perfect, but that we're constantly being perfected. That's the big goal. Because here's what we know. If we make progress toward that goal, all the other goals, hmm, They're going to come to pass. But can I tell you what happens if that's not your goal and all the other goals are ahead? You may even reach those goals, but you won't enjoy them. Not the fullness of them. Because you have a God-given purpose. And a God-given purpose is for you to become more like Christ and for you to experience all that he's purchased for you. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about uh, forward in 2021. Now, let's get into the power of friendships and the role that God has designed for friends and friendships to play in our life as it comes to moving forward. And so I'm going to take you to two passages, and I want to talk about the power of connection, and I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, this entire chapter there, Paul is writing about the body of Christ. And we see a beautiful picture of the importance of connection throughout this chapter. But I want to just pull out two verses here. I want to read verse 12 and then verse 20. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 says this. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Then verse 20 and 21. It says, yes, there are many parts but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. God planned for connection. We need each other. We need to be connected to each other. God never meant for us to do life alone. You can't be an island unto yourself. You won't receive all that... God has for you. And you certainly won't become more like Christ. I mean, you, know, you need people to show up because it's amazing. I can be praying in my car and singing and worshiping Jesus. And somebody pulls out in front of me and another side comes out, <laughs> which just reminds me, I need some more perfection. Come on, come on. So it's when we begin to interact with each other that we find that we may need our rough edges tempered a little bit. We may need to pray a little bit more. We need each other in our lives. Bottom line, he shows us here in how the church operates and it's in how life operates. We need each other. Let me just give you the definition of the word connection. It says a relationship in which a person, thing, or idea is linked Or associated with something else. And you know, friendships are those connections that God brings into our life. And I'm talking about friendships in light of helping you move forward in Christ. Now, let me say this. Friends are those people that we're closely connected with. Friends have a powerful impact on our lives good or bad. Not all friends are the friends that God wants you to have. Or let me put it, not not everybody who wants to be your friend were sent by God. So you better choose your friends lightly. Isn't that what we tell our children? Isn't that what we taught them in school? I tell you what, there were some, we decided where our boys went to school based on the friends we wanted them to have. We want them to have certain friends, so we put them in certain places. Parents, if you have teens, you better get them in church. You better get them in the youth group. You want them to have certain kind of friends. You want to teach them what a friend is. God ordained friendships to serve as a source of strength and joy in our lives. Godly friendships should add joy. They should add strength. He wants us to experience the joy and strength that these godly connections, these godly friendships bring. Godly friendships are powerful points of connection in our life. In fact, let me just say this. You can point to people in your life that, boy, have they made your life better and easier because you got connected with them. Hmm. Thank God for friendships. Now, let's talk about divine connections. Because while we have friends, and certainly there are some friends that I've had throughout the years that, um, you know, maybe they're more distance. You have a different circle of friends. Jesus had 12 disciples, but then he had three of them that he brought in close. You may say, why didn't he bring in all the rest of them close? Because you simply can't be that close with that many people. You don't have time. And if Jesus couldn't, neither can you. So you have circle of friends. There's different circle of friends. And there's some people that I've had that I'm friendly with, you might say, because of business relationships and other. And I want to represent Christ to them. But those people that I draw in close, they've got to be divine connections. And God will send you friends that are literally divine connections. Connections. We need to believe God for those divine connections in our life. And let me say this, in different seasons in our lives, different people will be those divine connections. There are some people, some friends that I've had for years, uh, years, literally years. I still have one friend that right when I got out of college, um, we met at Bible school and I don't even want to tell you how many years. That's <laughs> been a long time. And uh, we're still friends today. Now, she's a missionary. Her and her husband are missionaries. In fact, we support him here at the church. But we have been friends ever since she was 18 years old, and now her children are grown, and she has grandchildren. So we've been friends a long time. You know, I have other friends that we've been friends a long time, but there are some people that have come into my life for a certain season and we were good friends. And while I'm still friendly toward them, they're really not in my inner circle anymore because you just can't. we go through seasons, but boy, were they a divine connection at that time in my life for that purpose. Wow. And so God will bring other people into your life. Something he just brings in for a season to help you. And listen, sometimes we think, boy, you know, I have so many good friends. You know, people really love me. You know, I'm special. And the truth is, we're probably not that special. (laughs) But now listen, you are that special to God that he would bring those special people into your life. And you also need to ask him if you could be a divine connection for somebody. Friendship is reciprocal. Uh, There's reciprocity there. There are people that you minister to. And, And here's a way to tell if somebody is your ministry or if they're your friend. And sometimes we get confused and we draw people in like they're a friend when really they're our ministry. There's a difference. There's a difference. And if you draw somebody in, who's supposed to be your ministry, and you bring them in, then one day you're going to wake up and you will be drained because you have given all to them and there's no reciprocity. Friends, there should be reciprocity. They give to you, you give to them. Now listen, we need those people that we minister to. And we need some people in our life that we pour everything into and we know we're not going to get anything back. That's what Christians do. But those aren't my best friends. Those are not the divine connections. Those are divine opportunities for me to share Jesus with people and to be Christ to someone. But if I'm going to draw you in, come on, give a little. Give it up. It's not just all about you. It is about me too. Divine connections. Now, when we think about divine connections, a divine connection is a friendship that offers a supply of Christ's power in our lives. You see, you offer a supply to me and I offer a supply to you. And it's not just any supply, but it's a supply of Christ. Wow. I love those friends. There's a supply of strength and care that happens in those relationships. There's a supply of joy and fun. But they're not just there for the fun moments. They're there when you need a supply. You're not there just for the fun moments. You're there to pray, to supply a portion of Christ, the Christ that's in you. You're sharing with them. God wants us to create friendships that are divine connections. So you need to get yourself in places like you've done today. Yeah, I could clap for you where you make divine connections can I just tell you something you're not going to find them at the bar that's where for, you're not going to find them line dancing ooh I stepped on somebody's toes that's what would happen if I was line dancing come on But well, you may find them in a small group here at church you may find them on Sunday May find them in a frontline team on church. Now, you may find your ministry out in some of those places, but those aren't the friends. Now, somebody that you minister to could eventually become your friend, but we need to recognize that God wants to set up divine connections. L- let me define friend for you. A friend, this is just Merriam Webster's dictionary, a person who has a strong liking for and trust in another person. And can I just say this? <laughs> If you don't like somebody, why are you calling them friend? <laughs> Some people say, Well, I don't like you, but I love you. Then they're not your friend. Yeah. A friend is somebody you like. Yeah. You like how they think. You like how they talk. You, you like them. And then you trust them. Yeah. You trust them. Now, let's talk about good friends. I had a good friend and talk about the supply of Christ. I remember years ago, and this was a divine connection. I'm not that close to this person anymore. I certainly still love them, but you know, the one of those seasons, but God had them in my life for a season when I was just, I just graduated from college with a degree in elementary education. And I was trying whether or not to, I was trying to decide whether or not I would pursue my profession and step into teaching or I had felt also that God had kind of tapped me on the shoulder and said he wanted to lean me more towards ministry and prepare me for possible future ministry. So I also had the opportunity to go to a Bible school, Ramah Bible Training Center. And I remember I was struggling because, you know, I'm just right out of school and I had an amazing opportunity. How many of you know every amazing opportunity is not from God? At that time in Hillsborough County, it's right here in Hillsborough County, they had a, a freeze on hiring teachers, but my mother was in the school system. And because she was in the school system, um, she found out about a position at her elementary school that was going to be temporary. They couldn't hire anybody, but they were going to offer me a, a woman was going out on maternity leave. And here I was, a young college graduate, and they were offering me this temporary position for a year while this lady went on maternity leave. You know, you might think, God has answered and yet I felt this tug in my heart. And I remember one day I'm praying. I remember where I was in my parents' house. The phone rang. And it what one you could, well, you could pick it up, but off the receiver. <laughs> anyway, um, I remember answering the phone, and it was my friend. And here's what my friend said. My friend said, Jane, what are you going to do what God's telling you to do? Wow. I said, right now? I'm going to go ahead and fill out that application and send it in. And you know what? Today, Eric, today I am. A Part of the reason I am where I am today is because God sent a godly friend into my life and that season in my life who helped me move forward. Come on. We all need... Those divine connections. Now, uh, let me just real quickly, I want to go through what a godly friend and a godly connection look like. First of all, a godly connection, these divine connections, they are sharp friends. Everyone wants sharp friends. Nobody wants a dull friend. Okay, Proverbs twenty seven seventeen. It says this. In fact, this is the scripture that our Ironman ministry uses. But it says, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. How many of you know if your axe is sharp, you can cut twice as many trees and expend less energy. Rather, if you're using a dull axe, it's going to take you twice as long and you're going to cut less trees. Listen, you need those people in your life that will sharpen you. Because we all get a little dull now and then. So you need sharp friends who will sharpen you, who will help you become more like Christ, who will help you receive all God has purchased for you. Now, let me just say this when it comes to sharp friends, too. You can't be dull constantly and expect to get sharp friends. So so you got to have a little sharpening yourself. You got to pray. You got to come to church. You got to be strong in your faith to get some sharp friends. We want friends that make us better. We want friends that enrich our lives. Let me say this. We're we talking about sharp friends. We don't need perfect friends, but we need sharp ones. Sharp friends that help us reach our goal, help us move forward. Mm. Let me say a couple of things about sharp friends, too. Look at Proverbs 27, 5 and 6. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Mm. Let me say this about sharp friends. Sharp friends love you enough to speak the truth in love. And if they won't let you speak the truth to them in love, maybe they're not the friend you need. Or maybe you're not the friend you need to be if you're not willing to love them enough. To speak the truth. I remember several years back, um, actually, it's at the beginning. I remember it's just not too long after we'd started the church. It didn't really have any reflection on the starting of the church. But I remember the Lord was just requiring me to grow. And I have a wonderful friend has been a friend a long time. And I just really felt like the Lord was telling me, Jane, you pull on her a lot. And I think in other words, he was saying you need to pull more of your load. Sometimes when we're in ministry and then we have those friends, then then we want to go to those friends and you dump all the ministry on them. And I remember having a conversation with my friend and said, you know, can, will you be honest with me? Is our friendship more like seventy thirty? You know, are you given seventy and I'm given thirty? In other words, it's seventy percent about me, thirty percent about you. When we get together, we're talking 70% about what's going on in my life and 30% about, Now, I was given 30. Come on, 100 to nothing, it's not good. Yeah. But you know what? I had to listen to my friend that day, and she said, yep. She said, every time we get together, because, you know, you got the church and you're starting church, so it's all about what's happening in your. And, of course, she yields to that, my calling, you know, my friend. But the Lord was saying, I need you to step up your game. I need you to be a friend to her. And it was hard to hear that you're not being the best friend. But she spoke the truth in love. And I was able to to grow and, and give more and kind of tip the scales for a little while. Come on. We all need those friendships in our life. We need to be sharp friends. And then sharp friends also offer wisdom. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Come on. Walk with dumb people and you become dumber. (laughs) Now, now you understand here what walk means. Walk means is I'm choosing to go a ways with you. We're taking a walk. Listen, I can meet dumb people and help them. I'm not going to walk with them. I'm not going to do life with them. You say, Well, never mind. I'm not going to go there. Never <laughs> mind. Can I just say this? It says, Don't associate with fools. You'll get in trouble. Don't let a fool fool you into becoming their friend. Come on. Don't let a fool fool you into becoming their friends. Proverbs 20. 1226 says this, the godly give good advice to their friends. The wisdom lead them astray. Can you hand me that rope real quick? i got to get with it here. Now, you want wise friends, friends who give you wisdom. In fact, I need you. Can you come up? Stay with me? Hang on to this rope just a bit. Yeah, okay, about right there. Now, Now listen, you know what? Jeff has hold of this rope. Ungodly friends will lead you astray. He's holding on to it. You know what? What what I go is going to influence him. You know what? Even if he's pulling back, it's going to influence him. The only way for him not to be pulled on by what I'm doing is let go. Let go. (laughs) Listen, some of you need to let go. You're holding on. If you don't like where the friend is taking you, just come with me. I'm pulling you. No. (laughs) If you don't like where they're, well, this friend, this, this friend, that, let go. Okay, you can let go again. (laughs) (laughs) Only for now, not, I want to toss this to you. I remember I was in high school and there was a friend I had to let go. Now, how many of you know in high school, you love friends? I mean, that's what your life is, friends. This is a friend I had had since uh, junior high, maybe even end of elementary school. We were church buddies. I met this person at church. But when she got into high school, and then especially when she became a junior in high school, she went off the deep end. I mean, she just went wild. Then her mother let her quit high school, and she moved in with a guy who's also a drug dealer. He had a full-time job, but on the side, he dealt a little drugs. Well, I had a hold of the rope. And even though I love God, I didn't want to let go of my friend. And she pulled me into some crazy places. But I did not inhale. (laughs) Just so you know. May I smoked a little, but I did not inhale. But I'm sitting in these smoke-filled rooms. What am I doing here? It's because I was connected... And I remember having to go over to her house because the Lord dealt with me and it was tough. She was my best friend. And I went over there and I said, I love you, but I can no longer be your friend. Wow. So glad I do. Listen, Proverbs nine ten says, fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. If you want wise friends, you want to pick friends who fear the Lord and align their lives in line with their relationship with him and with his word. Now, let me wrap this up this morning. I've got a few more minutes. Let me wrap this up this morning talking about the power of one of the most um, wonderful friendships. It just, It's a perfect picture of a godly friendship in the Bible. I may not get to all the... Scripture but let me tell you this you can always go out on you version to you can go to events you can put in faith life church and the notes for this sermon are on you version that Bible app and so if you go to events there's little bars down there you hit vent hit more events f- type in faith life and you'll see these notes you have all the scripture references but now listen let me read to you this story of Jonathan and David and let's wrap this up first Samuel eighteen one. After David had finished talking with Saul, he met Jonathan, the king's son. There was an immediate bond between them, for Jonathan loved David. From that day on, Saul kept David with him and wouldn't let him return home. And Jonathan made a solemn pack with David because he loved him as he loved himself. Jonathan sealed the pack by taking off his robe and giving it to David together with his tunic, sword, bow and belt. Whatever Saul asked David to do, David did it successfully. So Saul made him commander over the men of war. An appointment that was welcomed by the people and Saul's officers. And let me say this. Godly friendships are a gift from God. Listen, it says immediately... Jonathan and David's hearts were knit. You know who David was. David eventually became king. He was the shepherd boy that killed the giant. And you know who Saul was. Saul was the very first king of Israel. But Saul's heart went astray. Well, Jonathan is Saul's son. Jonathan really was rightful heir to the throne as far as the natural succession. But Jonathan, what a friend. What a powerful friendship. That day as the king's son, Jonathan took off his tunic, took off his belt, his sword, his everything and he handed them to David not only was he saying to David as a friend, I am loyal to you he was also saying to David David, I see the call of God on your life And I'm giving you what is rightfully mine, but I recognize this is bigger than me. This is about what God is doing. And I am going to lend my support to you so that you can fulfill God's call on your life. Wow, that's the kind of friendships that we need. Just say this, godly friends see God's call on our lives and lend support. Even if them lending support means that they're going to play a more prominent role then we will. Even if we felt like I had a right to that, I, sh- I should be worship leader. I should be children's minister. I should be the pastor. I should be. Listen, there's some days if you want to be the pastor, I'll let you. <laughs> Give me your number. I have you on speed dial. There's some days where they say they show. I saw this meme on Facebook and it was so perfect for leadership. And it had this captain standing in the, you know, uh, what am I saying? Out front, you know, in the, what's the area the captain stands? Anyway, where the wheel is a big boat ship. And uh, y'all got it. And there's the captain standing there what? On, the on the bridge. He's on the bridge and water is coming in. And it says everybody wants to be the captain until you got to do the captain kind of stuff. Come on, let's lead the ship in the midst of the storm. Listen, Jonathan was willing to support David. And then later on, I don't have time to go into this. Later on, they meet because Saul, Jonathan's father, is trying to kill David. And he convinces, David convinces Jonathan, he's after me. And Jonathan says this to David... 1 Samuel 20 verse 4, tell me what I can do to help you, Jonathan exclaimed. Even while David was going to be the future king, right now, David needed Jonathan. You need every friend in your life. You know, back to my friend where, you know what? She doesn't play as prominent a role as I play maybe in our circle in the church. But you know what? I need her. She needs me. I need you. You need me. Jonathan or David that day needed Jonathan to even get to where God wanted him to be. We need each other. Then First Samuel 20, 42, it says, at last, Jonathan said to David, go in peace. For we have sworn loyalty to each other in the Lord's name. The Lord is the witness of a bond between us and our children forever. Then David left and Jonathan returned to the town. And this is what happened after Jonathan pledges. I'm going to tell you if my father's out to kill you. And and if he is, then I'll come back and I'll let you know. And Jonathan did just that. Then they made this pack. Here's what we need to understand. Godly friends are committed and loyal. They don't leave you in times of trouble; they stand by you in times of trouble. I was glad when I was only given thirty percent that my friend stayed in there with me until I could grow in that. Wow! And then later on, you know the story. Many of you do. Later on, Jonathan is killed. David becomes king, and David says this: Second Samuel nine one. One day, David asked, "Is anyone in Saul's family still alive?" Anyone who I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. And then he found it. They told the king, one of Jonathan's son is still alive. He's a cripple. His name is Mephibosheth. David sent word, King David sent word to bring Mephibosheth in. Well, the way it was in that day, if you had any part of the previous king's reign, especially if you were his family, you were dead. So, Mephibosheth is thinking David is bringing me in, and he's going to kill me. And here's what David says: Second or 2 Samuel nine seven. It says, "Don't be afraid." He's talking to Mephibosheth. "Don't be afraid," David said. "I intend to show you kindness to. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you will eat here with me at the king's table." blessings come from God-given friendships. You see, friends help us move forward. They help us experience perfection. Now in that case, David, the king, was providing Mephibosheth the king's table, food, land, natural things. But you know what? We want those kind of friends in our life that will help us eat at the king of all kings. The Lord of all Lord's table and feast with those friends. Man, God wants us to experience the power of friendships. And you know I think this is just an appropriate message for where we are today because when you leave here, you're going to see some signups out there for small groups. They're divine connections, places where you can meet Godly friends and be a part of what God is doing in their life. And you can add a supply to them. But don't forget this. God will use friendships for you to be a blessing and to bless your life. Amen. Did you get something out of that today? I pray that you did.